Folks, welcome back. It's not Blockbuster. It's not Netflix. It's not Hulu. It's What's Trainwreck Watching. And we are breaking down Spider-Man No Way Home, the latest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Full-fledged, back in theaters. It's a full experience for this holiday season. And we've got the full experience ready for you here to break down the film that many are calling potentially the film of the year and for sure a top film in the MCU. But let, before we get too far into that, let's get our panel in here. We got the Micah man. Jake, Micah, we have got Casali Files, Joe Casali, Mr. Hollywood, and of course, joining us from previous appearances on Wrestling with Emotion, we got Partham, Mike Partham. How are we doing, crew? How are we feeling about this blockbuster that we all have digested in the last 48 hours? I have just one word for you all, gentlemen. Dude. Oh, my God. I don't even know. Like <laughs> I just got out of the movie an hour ago, and I am still... I don't know what to do with myself. This was an experience like no other. Uh, I mean, God, it. even if you're a fan of Spider-Man all the way back from 2002, Sam Raimi, there's something for everybody here. I don't even want to say this should have been called Spider-Man Endgame, but they called it No Way yes. Home. And no way did I expect it to blow the doors off the roof. But holy wow, this was an experience like no other. I'm so happy. Cinema is back because... Movies like this can still exist. I, I thought it would be a long time until we would get something like this to bring in the crowds and to get people talking and excited about movies again. But I'm so happy I was wrong because this is it. This is what going to the theaters is supposed to be for. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this movie. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. Yeah, bro. I literally, I wanted to just like... I wanted to just like sit like thousand yard stare, just like to ponder everything I could for like I, I could have sat in that movie theater all night long if I really like was thinking about it. Like it was just there's a lot to take in, but everything like a I lot. said, it met my expectations and more like gave me more than I was anticipating in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I can't wait to get into it. So I'm I'm excited. This is I mean haven't been this excited about a what's train red watching, man. The, the, anything, I mean. This fighty, this is a different, this is a different animal. So this is gonna mm -hmm. be fun. Marvel really is over delivering with these collabs. And before we get too deep into the details here, but you know, in Endgame, you're told you're gonna see them all on screen together. It's still overwhelming to see. You're told in this movie, spoiler alert, and again, spoiler ahead here on what's train wreck watching with our No Way Home recap. You see all the Spider-Man on on the screen you see all the villains on screen it's like you're still overwhelmed by all the interactions and all the things that can happen to them so let's get into it you obviously saw our reaction walking out of the theater so let's get into the start of it gents we get into the first act and things are chaos for peter parker whether it's the start conundrum and the conspiracy around mysterio but it was interesting to see because typically besides endgame besides uh you know captain america civil war we don't really see the Avengers dealing with the fallout of previous films too much. But obviously, with Mysterio revealing Peter Parker, seeing that he is kind of, you know, saying that he was guilty of these, you know, crimes and things like that, seemed like they had no choice but to follow up on it and kind of bring it to a close and show the falling action from that Casali in this first act. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, this movie literally started right after far from home like it, it was a great continuation i mean that's kind of what i expected it to be with the post credit scene of far from home i mean sitting in the theater you know seeing j jonah jameson on screen and pow peter parker spider-man i mean right off the bat i was excited you know when i first saw that movie 
uh, back in uh, 2019 or whenever it came out. And because, again, it started us fresh, completely new, where now we live in a world where people know who Peter, who Spider-Man is. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, that's never been done in cinema before. So right off the bat, it took us to a different whole direction. And, you know, just as it just as it kind of played out, you know, he was just... He he witnessed it with uh, with MJ. He's trying to fly through. He's telling everybody like, "What do I do? What do I do?" Because this is a kid too. Like he he's just so like not only out of everything he's been through, he literally you know went to space for us. He did everything he could. He's the little guy in a big world, and then all of a sudden he's put on the spot with people thinking that he's a murderer. He's 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 never been in this situation before where he's just, again, trying to do the right thing. But now people are blaming him for stuff that he knows that what happened was with Mysterio. He knew that Mysterio was a bad guy. But just like right off the bat, you know, he's he's in this new world where it's just very jogging. And and I think it flowed perfectly. I think, again, it flowed perfectly from beginning to far from home. And it just brought us to a new a different side of Peter Parker and Spider-Man that we haven't seen and that's exactly what this movie needed because i mean this whole movie is something we've never seen before and it shows and it and it's just, it works it works well i was almost expecting uh peter to kind of go on the run there for a second like uh go on the yeah. land or something being a fugitive like hiding out in motels or somewhere but <laughs> despite how his world got turned up uh, upside down it was relatively normal he still got to he had to move to another condo and he can still walk places without kind of sort of being mugged. But uh, still, you know, the implications for him and his friends were, you know, things were never going to be the same. And half the world likes him and half the world hates him. Kind of like mm -hmm. with some of the things we deal with nowadays in the real world where it's just, you know, people on both sides. And it's very, uh, mm -hmm. bi what do you say? Not bipolar. not uh, It's very divided. Yes. In, yes. In what yep. gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, what I kept thinking about in, you know, the production sense was this movie, the way it was made, almost didn't get made because after uh, Far From Home, uh, the reports came out that Sony and Marvel had a parting of the ways. And thank goodness for Tom Holland in more ways than one, because he got on the blow blower with uh, right, some right. higher higher up executive and said, hey, we got to keep this together for at least a movie or two more. So it's interesting to think about what the movie would look like had Sony gone on their own and sort of split away from the MCU already. And there's implications of that. And we'll get to that later on as we see how the movie concludes. But uh, it, I mean, uh, Peter had to deal with a new reality and he seemed to be relatively uh, keeping it together for the time being. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, this is something we've never deal, dealt with uh, for Spider-Man movies before. We've seen in comics with the Civil War story in that universe, but mm. never Peter coming out. And it was going to be interesting to see if Peter was just sort of going to blend into the new Avengers and just have his identity revealed and just be kind of like uh, Iron Man and Captain America where everybody knows who he is and he's just got to find a new way to deal with that. For sure. Yeah, and I think you mentioned a bunch of stories that they've they pulled from a lot of different stories now we can get into those more and everything with with the way that they're going with spider-man but this is the way that like the first act set setting it up and just the beginning and everything 
I was I was in shock, just like you said, that they didn't go somewhere, like that he was just able to like walk into high. Betty Brandt put it perfectly, though. She was like, he's the most popular uh, popular person in the world, and now he's got to conquer college admissions or whatever. Yeah. And they just wanted to keep battle, it. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to keep it like focused on that, and it was great. But I was also like, I was like, there's no way this kid would be like, how is he walking into a high school right now? No, no self-respecting right administration oh would have that circus going on. Well, and then they got, the and then they got a gym teacher who's calling, telling the kid he's a murderer straight to his face. <laughs> yeah, like he's like, Hannibal Burr. Like, Hannibal Burr. Like, Burr, Hannibal Burr the, yeah, the he's hilarious. Mysterio was right. He's Mysterio was right. And I was like, this is not. This is a horrible environment for this kid to be walking into to um education system in midtown high it's a little bit questionable but um it was awesome to just see like them kind of explore ned and ned mj and peter fully especially in this first act they really took the time more than the, even the last two movies to just like show how special their relationship was and obviously it was going to set up for the huge impact of what was going to happen the rest of the movie but i really enjoyed that time they kind of spent with it um and just them sticking by his side through the fucking chaos that he had to deal with, which was nuts. But can we get to the big reveal that we got in the first act in the first five minutes? Our boy. Uh, he back. really did. He really did come out of nowhere. It, it, it was great <laughs> to see. So you've been mentioning, I'll let you uh, bring it in. Oh, all right. Let's, I mean, we, we, as we had our, our, if you haven't watched Hawkeye episode five spoilers too, we were talking the other day and we saw our boy Kingpin show up mm-hmm. and we were like, all right, well, Let's roll in here. Let's keep it rolling. And our boy, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, showing up in the first scene. He needed a good lawyer. He's a pretty good lawyer. I don't know <laughs> if lawyering skills has lawyer. any... I don't know if you need reaction time. Yeah, what any, is, that, was little, that was a little over skills, the top. A little bit, but... Uh, but uh, it was it was just a great moment to see. We can And we'll get into, mm. as we go later, like where the MCU is going. I think this could have been a bigger reveal than it was in this moment. But just the fact to see them, those two characters, Peter Parker and Matt Murdock, the history they've had in uh, mm-hmm. Marvel Comics together, on the screen together, was a moment that fans have been asking for since, 2000, since 2002, since the first two movies came out. Yeah. I mean, I really, mean just like... Just even seeing him, I mean, you know, I I love the the Netflix stuff. I mean, you know, some more than others. And I've said that, you know, in our previous episode of Hawkeye with Kingpin, and you know, you kind of just like once they showed Kingpin, that's why it kind of was perfect that they did the Hawkeye episode before this. You know, not that it was a big like tease, but you know, you kind of be like, all right, now they got the toys in the chest because again, like with the Sony yeah. acquisition, Netflix was also having a tough time with the right situation. The the producers on the Netflix shows and Feige, they didn't really get along that much. So once that kind of got in the in the air, because even once they all the shows got canceled, people were like, wait a minute, like is this going to happen? Yeah, are, are they going to actually finally pop up in the movies? Um, so to just see that, like, yeah, it, you know. It it just it was great. It was it was so cool that they have so many more toys in the chest. And I mean, what a way to intro I mean, I guess reintroduce the character in like a kind of monotone way. You know, it's not like we saw him like in the cowl or anything, but it was just him sitting there knowing that he lives in this world. And again, it was just it put a smile on my face because of those three seasons of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Charlie Cox plays a wonderful Daredevil, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on that on that show. So and it brings us to more possibilities like the Punisher and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just it's very exciting. And not only just for just this movie, because listen, this is again, like I said, this is the end game of Spider-Man movies. So 
they're just playing around and just getting this out in the way. But we know a new trilogy is coming. There's so many more room for yeah. for storytelling and whatnot. So it was just exciting to say, like, hey, you know what? I can do this. I can just, even if it's just a second. And that's what Marvel has done perfectly. They love how to play, you know, again, with the tools in the, in the chat. They love how to put these characters in different ways we've experienced with the shows where, you know, they kind of, yeah, like, yeah, they twist around some backstories here and there. But, you know, they just, they have, you know, everything on the board. I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. Feige has a huge whiteboard somewhere and he's just writing down everything and every different possibility and to, <laughs> to figure out what works best and what doesn't. But this was just, I mean, again, it was great. Like, and it was a nice tease for what's to come because this was just like, oh, you thought that was great. Charlie Cox is coming. <laughs> come on, they, you ain't seen nothing yet. So, yeah, again, just was- so exciting. That was simply an appetizer. Yeah, and to sum up the first act, I think it was good because, let's face it, for these first two films, Homecoming was kind of him reacting to being in the Avengers and still being a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Far From Home was kind of him trying to balance being an Avenger and being a kid at the same time, obviously. And this was finally a film where those two worlds were completely combined. He has to embrace yeah. that he's Spider-Man. Absolutely. There are the risks of people knowing and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And we found that out with Bugles. And like we said... Sometimes you just have to focus on getting into MIT. Not everything needs to be an Avengers-level threat. But obviously, they fail that Avengers-level threat. They do not get into MIT because of the public <laughs> controversy, the court of public opinion, That's as, our, uh, That's as our friend soft, Matt Murdock yeah. uh, you know, mentioned, obviously. Um, but that brings on Doctor Strange. And so Peter goes walks right over there. He's like checking his phone on the map for where like Doctor Strange is at. Walks in pretty much unannounced, a little bit ridiculous. Like you would think there would be some corresponding, uh, you know, going on between Avengers here via email or something like that. But walks in, and obviously, you know, there was some speculation in the trailer if there was, you know, a Mephisto involved or if there was something that goes Mephisto's on. Mephisto's everywhere. Remember that. But oh, <laughs> Mephisto is always amongst us. He's everywhere. But truly, uh, just ends up being a situation where. You know, Doctor Strange is unleashing a spell of the cosmos, and Peter Parker is busy being like a 17 to 18 year old kid as he's been make up and all of a sudden saying yeah. he's got the rings going and everything. How did what did you guys think of this sequence? And then ultimately, um, you know, the build up to the bridge to the highway uh, bridge scene. Yeah, I mean, again, it just you know, I mean, you can look at it as okay, well. What big adult mentor can we get next in this movie? Because the first was Iron Man and Homecoming. Second was, it was for a bit, it was Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal until he turned. And now Doctor Strange. But, you know, again, they play with the toys and all that stuff. It was just exciting. Even though Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man fought, you know, uh, Ebony Maw and everybody on, on the street, you know, in the beginning of Infinity War. So I'm sure he would know where he's going. But that aside, of course. Um, it, you know, it was just exciting, you know, it was just exciting for him to go in. And this was also like, we went in and there was like snow all over the place. And it was like, what's going on? Wong was like getting ready to leave and, um, you know, and all that stuff. So it was just kind of like, it was again, Peter Parker. Hey, 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 that Sorcerer Supreme Wong to you. That's Seriously? right. That's right. <laughs> no, Wong's the best. But, but Parker, you know, he's just a kid. He's just like, okay, how can I fix this? Because again, you know, he he knows. Oh, Doctor Strange, he's the wizard. You know, he he doesn't know like this. You know, severity of of what 
you know Doctor Strange deals with. No, obviously no, we know more for you know from the movie and and from what he was capable of in Infinity War. But he's just a kid. He just thinks okay, he could just you know zap it away and then everything will be fine. So even when Doctor Strange was like, all right, I'll help you, and and Sorcerer Supreme Wong told him, no, don't do that. Don't you can't do this. Don't please don't do this. And of course, you know Stephen Strange, he's just like, okay. Uh, I'm gonna do it anyway because you know I'm Stephen Strange. Even the whole the whole thing that I loved where he kept calling them Mister and Sir, and and he's <laughs> like, "Come on, we saved the universe together. You can you can call me by by my first name." And um, you know, and that kept going back and forth depending on whether he was in the doghouse or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was just you know it was just kind of again he's a kid. You know he's just this is it's a whole new world in front of him regardless of now he's dealing with this whole threat of everybody knows who he is so mm-hmm. you know the one thing he could think of is going to see you know dr strange and and obviously that was kind of a silly choice because you know he's doing the spell and yeah. everything and yeah. and he just mm-hmm. keeps interrupting and he's like stop it stop talking and then I mean, we get our movie, so thank you for uh, doing that, Peter Parker, obviously. All I gotta say is it was a little weird that, like, Strange was treating the spell like bringing in the groceries and closing the garage door and, like, bringing in the dog versus, like, an interdimensional spell that can have some repercussions. Because you always see Strange being so responsible. I guess this is a little bit of his cocky side. I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day... Stephen Strange was born out of a little cockiness to get to where he's at right now. So maybe seeing a little bit of flash that, but yeah, I mean, again, and then that follows through, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the other side of this, but when he's dismissing him, he basically like realizes he was listening to a kid who did no due diligence and it kind of like makes Strange (laughs) look like an idiot, but that's the balance of having a child in the Avengers or a 17 year old in the Avengers. So very interesting, but yeah, great interaction, obviously with them. Um, yeah, Perfect. well, if, oh, sorry, if he if he still had the time stone, I mean, he knew the implications of messing with the timeline. If he still had the stone, he wouldn't have done it anyway. But he knows sure. magic, and he knows the how to manipulate that as it is. But it, I can for those of you who are on YouTube and watch uh, the how I should have ended it videos, I can just see their uh, video right now where Strange tells him, "Okay, give me a list of all the people who you want to remember, and I'll just make one spell for all those people instead of having to invent new rings for each." person that Peter subsequently thinks of in the moment. He was adding rings like it was pizza toppings, like, oh, anchovies, <laughs> like pepperonis, like it was absurd. Well, again, he didn't think this through. He just came in, no. you know, as a kid would, to be like, oh, well, I He I didn't give it an thing. hour, bro. I like, I, 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 this is a situation, you know what I mean, though? Like, this is child endangerment. This is child endangerment. This is like when you blame the babysitter, not like the baby. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> the baby was going to want to do a spell and do all but kinds of adjustments in the last second. Pete didn't even better. give it... He didn't even give it, give it like 20 minutes. He was like, I'm going right to the wizard. Yeah. He's like, this yeah, is the yeah. only possible explanation for this is we're going to go to the wizard. So, you know, like, I don't know. It was just chaos. Absolute chaos. I mean, I think Strange a little bit, though, was just thinking Wong. It's Wong Sorcerer Supreme. Like, he's the one that's going to get in trouble, not me. Like, this is this is Wong. This is really Wong told me I could do it. So uh, he can help me clean it up, even though he said well, he's he not did not, not tell it's me. It's Wong's to do problem. It. It's exactly. Going back to Wong. I, I blame Wong. <laughs> and, and as we roll on here on what's train wreck watching, of course, sponsored by Picasso's Pizza. We got to pay the bills. Hey, mm-hmm. Picasso's mm-hmm. freestyle. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Eating a couple wings mm-hmm. with a couple kings. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite things. Hey, mm-hmm. hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm not a good freestyle rapper. Wait, hold on. Let me think for a second. So then, obviously, we after we're dismissed by Doctor Strange, Peter goes on to the throughway and is like looking into cars for the MIT lady. Probably the least believable thing in the Marvel universe since time travel, uh, if I had to say so myself. But he ends up finding her, and then all of a sudden, while he's talking with her, we get the reemergence of these classic Spider-Man characters, beginning with Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. What an appearance. How electric. I felt like everything that Melina did on this was a amazing testimonial to the character that was in Spider-Man 2, but also showed the way that it would potentially evolve. Because, Sally, what did you think of this sequence on the uh, – what would you call it again here? Like the highway bridge, the throughway, like up The bridge scene. It was always in the trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what in the trailers? No way off this bridge. Uh, no, let me tell you something. This is where the movie, like, you know, the beginning was great and it was great setup and everything. I didn't think a lot of people were saying it was clunky and whatnot. I didn't think so. I thought it flowed naturally, but this is really where the movie starts. And what a way to start it with Alfred Molina. My history of Spider-Man will always owe to those Sam Raimi films. Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. I love everything about those movies. And, and, Spider-Man 2 is just, uh, you know, it's it's a classic in my point. So already knowing, because we knew in the trailers that they were showing up and everything. So knowing that Molina was going to be back, it was just so exciting to see that and so deserving. Because, you know, obviously you're thinking, okay, well, you know, they keep rebooting these these movies and everything. So who's going to don the, the, the arms? You know, who's going to do it? But they figured out a way to be like, no, no one can do it. Alfred Molina can do it. And and you, every time you think of Doc Ock, you always think of him. So to see him on the screen was just, that's just, just where I just started grinning from ear to ear. And I don't think I stopped until the movie ended because just seeing him and, and coming on the bridge and, and everything and his, his, his interactions with this version of Peter Parker, the one we've grown with, with these movies, uh, you know, it was just so exciting because it was just great to see that action again and to see like it, you know, it reminded me of like, I wouldn't go as far as along as the train sequence in Spider-Man 2 because that one will always be a testament to how beautiful that movie is. But, you know, again, kind of like an ode to it. And that's what this movie really is. It's it's pain way giving thanks to what come before, you know, it's just and to see that and a Doc Ock come back and and. You know what he's thinking, like, oh, this isn't it. Doc Ock put his arm on on the uh, on the tech, the uh, nanotech uh, suit, and it kind of goes on his arms, and he's like, "What's mm-hmm. this?" It's just, it was just so exciting to see this inner, like, and it's funny, like, that was even awesome. though, awesome yeah, moment. it just showed like how the two, you know, in different eras are kind of combining Absolutely. in my eyes. And yeah, was, even there though- were about fifteen other moments like that in the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, like even though it was like the old toys, you know, it was just, you know, it brought something new and different to the table. Mm-hmm. And again, and I think it worked too, because going into this movie, the one thing I always just kept thinking of, I'm like, okay, you got, you got, you gave it to me in the trailers. I like the plot, but how are you going to bring this together? How are you going to, you know, really explain how these are from the movies? Because I mean, we've grown, you know, we've watched these shows 
we've meant variants of things and you know so in our heads like okay is this really a multiverse or just variants of things and whatnot or or is it actually really from spider-man 2 the great thing about this movie is even though it's paying off what's come before with far from home it's kind of paying off what what's came before back in 2006 when spider-man 2 came out oh yeah and all of those movies that we've grown up with and fell in love with this character. And that's what was done beautifully in this movie. And with Doc Ock, I mean, it was great. They were fighting. And, and you know, he was just like saying like, whoa, this is a different kind of uh, Spider-Man. Maybe he just upgraded his suit until he finally realized, wait a minute, you're not Peter Parker. It was just it was just a beautiful scene. And, and to start it off with this, you know, started off with this. Because he, he kind of redeemed himself at the end of Spider-Man 2. He realized his errors. He realized... That you know he he can't contain the power of the sun. It's going to destroy the city. So he brought it down, you know. And and Spider Man was able to go off with MJ, and and that was it. So to see this kind of different side, where it seems like he was taken out of that movie right before his sacrifice, was just it was a beautiful way to start it, and it really kind of paved way to what we you know what has come, you know, with with everything. It was a clever way to do it where some of the villains, you know, were just defeated and others were sort of redeemed. So you didn't know how that dynamic was going to work. So now the implication that they all got pulled in basically just before they met their demise or their end mm-hmm. kept them all in that villain mode, so to speak, where they didn't get the big speech or uh, the sacrifice themselves moment or get sacrificed uh, by accident moment. So they were all the villains to start with. And then for uh, Spidey and uh, Doctor Strange to find a way to contain them and sort of control them uh, was a great way to get that uh, interaction dynamic going where they're sort of trading yeah. notes with each other. Wait, aren't you dead? Wait, aren't you supposed to look different? And so to speak. And that was really fun to see, you know, them basically pointing for at sure. each other like certain other people would uh, later on. But it, yeah, it's like all it's like all the toys come together at one time. Yeah, that was some of the most, I mean, there was, like, you said 15 other moments in this movie that it happened, but those, down in that, in the in the wizard's dungeon, oh my god. Like, <laughs> there's really, the no, there's really no easy way to put it. There's no sugarcoating when you're in the wizard's <laughs> dungeon. No sugarcoating at all. But I honestly wish that, like, I'm I'm going I'm going back to what you mentioned about the trailers, Casali. I wanted them to go into this movie. I think I said this way back in some episode. I told you guys, I don't want any, I don't want a trailer telling us anything. Like we knew all the rumors already that it was going to be a bunch of spiders and it was going to be a bunch of villains. Like Mm -hmm. it would have just imagine if we didn't see any villains in the trailers at all. Like they gave us like nothing. Like it was the first beginning of the movie. Maybe you show, I don't know who the, I don't, there was no new villain, I guess, introduced at all. So that would have been part of the yeah, issue. There's the really no action. Yeah. That, that's the only disadvantage they put yeah. themselves at was the, the, the only villain they could have pretended was that the multiverse is breaking and the implication would have been a famous, yeah. a famous example where they did this. And this will be the last time I mentioned this movie, Star Trek Into Darkness. They never really mm-hmm. fully yeah. announced that Benedict Cumberbatch was con. It was just that Star yeah. Trek was going on new missions yeah. and things like that. It would have mm-hmm. just been so tough with, and even in the last Spider-Man movie, Mysterio yeah. wasn't really, you know, yeah. 
Well, he was mysterious. We just didn't know what side he was yeah, on. Yeah, he wasn't promoted exactly. as a villain. Yeah, most I, I, Well, and they're showing all the water monster and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, too, yeah. Like I think, well, do. I think you're, I, you're right. It would have been incredible if, it, like, 40 minutes in, Melina just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, that would have been I think I remember oh something. Um, yeah. I think I read an article or something where they actually did comment on what you said. And in the beginning, they felt that they wanted. Uh, they wanted to maybe try and pivot where it was Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange. And that was mm. what they were going to rely mm. on the, on the promotional material. And I mean, rightfully so that, that probably would have worked a lot better than this, even though yeah. it was still nice to kind of, you know, get us in broke there. Box office records though, going, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You needed the carrot to get people back in the theaters, exactly. especially and after so that, long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the pivot is they decide they're like, nah, we just need as many tickets ahead of time. Like, regardless Absolutely. of what people think of this movie, let's just get it sold. Because you're getting sense. in not only yeah. MCU audiences, you're getting in people that grew up with these movies. Exactly. The Raimi movies, yeah. the web movies, everything. So, you know, and, and you know, Spider-Man obviously they delivered. iconic beyond belief for a number Absolutely. of Absolutely. It was like the mm-hmm. highest grossing film ever when it came out until it mm-hmm. got supplanted by Vincent Chase's uh, Aquaman. <laughs> but yes, uh, would have been easy. Would have been easy to promote this movie as Spider-Man: Doctor Strange, and the reason being is that they end up facing off. So obviously, Peter Parker's, uh, you know, Spider-Man kind of being a wholesome, you know, everyone kind of can be saved character comes up with the concept that you know these guys can kind of be rehabilitated. We can figure out ways to fix them. We can figure out ways to send them back home in a positive yeah. way. And instead, you have Doctor Strange saying, "No, their only fate is to be defeated by Peter Parker." Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to our basically our first fight scene is where would you put this in what like the early middle second act or early second act? Yeah, I think so. Early yeah. second act, yeah. Amazing. I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, this is so this is by now Norman is already in the wizard's dungeon, right? And this is well, yeah, because he, he also was on the yeah. bridge as well. And by the way, we gotta talk about because we talk about the pacing of this movie for two and a half hours or two and change or whatever it is. And being able to be on the bridge right as Green Goblin is attacking and kind of screen wipe to the wizard dungeon was kind of a huge part of that pacing. That it wasn't just yeah. villain spam. It wasn't just here's Doc Ock, here's it Green Goblin. It very well. It added to the fact that it was really building action. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The wizard's dungeon played a huge role. We got, who would have thought we would have been saying <laughs> that? No way mm-hmm. off. But um, yeah, so we got the Spider Man versus Doctor Strange battle. Um, Casali, thoughts on the cinematography of it all? Did it live up to the hype? Uh, I mean, facing off. I don't know if they were firing kill shots. They were trying to more trap each other, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, well, because yeah, once um, you know, once he had, because obviously, not only uh, we met Doc Ock on the bridge, we also met uh, Goblin on the bridge, and and that was a little like, wait, who is that? Is that a Goblin? What is that? And then he was able to get them both back to the dungeon. He came up with the plan where like, okay, this is what we got to do. This is this device. Well, first, you got to rally up all these villains. And then this is the device that will send them home and back to their demise. And, and you know, our our boy Peter Parker was like, no, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to just send them to their deaths. I want to give them a chance and explain themselves. And, um, you know, and Doc obviously was like, no, you can't. That'll screw up the multiverse. There's no other way. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, then it kind of went into like a little disagreement and then a catch football all the way through the mirror dimension which i mean every time they do this on screen even from the original doctor strange it is just beautiful cinematography from here you know like it's so insane what they were able to do 
the first time I ever saw Doctor Strange and they pulled this off, I was I felt like I was watching Inception again. You know, and it mm-hmm. just, it really I was gonna is say, so the beautiful. From Leo to Caprio. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it was just so, uh, such a great way to kind of like pull it off. And it also brought something different to the table for a Spider-Man movie. Because, you know, again, he's just a kid. He doesn't know what the hell's going on and all this like stuff. I mean, he had some taste of it, you know, when he was on Titan and Infinity War. But th- this was just such an inventive way. And I mean, how you know that Doctor Strange really like, he doesn't pull punches. He knows like at every angle, like how to stop something. Cause he is, you know, he, he just knows, he, he knows how to get the job done. So, you know, right from, right off the bat, it was just exciting to like, see this and, and kind of like, you know, get, get us moving to, uh, to the next. I, I really enjoy that scene a lot. To use a wrestling term, uh, Dr. Strange really put over Spider-Man because Dr. Mm. Strange with all his power and magic and portals and whatnot, you might think he's nigh unstoppable. And for for Peter Parker to just use his knowledge and math, so to speak, to defeat magic, yeah. that's that's a that was a trip, I would say. Yeah. It, it this movie did a really good job of showing how smart Peter Parker is, because Peter Parker yes. is supposed to be like well, one of the smartest oh, yeah. people in the Marvel universe. And I mean he's been it, obviously been highly regarded. He was on like the team the the team and everything and far from home, homecoming. Um but this is this was a different level, like outsmarting Doctor Strange like that. Like it was. I mean, yeah, the whole like geometry, like you know, getting the, yeah. the webs. Yeah, that oh, yeah. was really cool. Calculations yeah. on crazy. the fly to get yeah. that radius of pi and shit. And he mm-hmm. even comes out of it just like Partham said, and he tells Ned and MJ, he's like, "I fought Doctor Strange, and I think I beat him," <laughs> or like something like that. He is so hyped like, up. But I do want to go back, because Sally, you mentioned earlier about it was Peter. It was more, and this is, a, I think, an important point in this whole movie, is it wasn't Peter was not going to give them the chance right away. He was like, I'll just get these guys out of here. And it was May well, that true, convinced him. True, May true. convinced that's him. True, that's true. Because yeah. Norman was on his shit right away. Like, whether he was really on it in that moment. Did, did he just get Oscorp? <laughs> <laughs> he got snapped. No, got but, but, but while uh, Micah's recanting, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's Nor- true. Yeah. It was Norman being a relative, like Norman out of everybody, even though he was acting like a little bit of a wackadoo, mm-hmm. was was actually you know the most human of them all, right? Well, he had he the was, most split personality yeah. because he yeah. still had his human side, and he was talk his human side was talking to his goblin side even back in the original movie. Yeah, and we got a little bit of that to start with, uh, and then he kind of has his uh, last Jedi moment where he smashes his own uh, mask <laughs> and you think, okay, he's conquered his dark side, but we know better. And whether that uh, was his human side coming through or whether his dark side was sort of lying in wait was mm-hmm. a pretty good dynamic. Mm-hmm. That is hysterical, his last Jedi moment. As Peter also uh, has the Emperor as with the uh, lightning. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, great Doctor Strange battle. And this leads to you know a talking point. I guess we have it on here. I put on here. Spidey Rehab. So we got the non-fantastic four of Electro, Sandman, Doc Ock, um, Green Goblin, and um, Lizard. So yeah, actually yeah. Fantastic Five. And we're looking to rehab all of them. And again, this is another chance to showcase Peter Parker. Again, I, I don't think that the MCU loves to kind of remind everybody that all of these guys are basically smart scientists for the most part. Because it kind <laughs> of would true. just get a little overwhelming. Yeah. But... Like you said, it was the perfect opportunity without doing that to showcase, you know, Peter being a smart guy. I mean, I thought these scenes, especially when working with uh, Norman Osborn, were really good. It showed us what could have been with, like, Tobey Maguire uh, mm-hmm. and Willem Dafoe in that role. And by the way, Willem Dafoe, 
you know, he was acting the shit out of it in A 2002 when he was doing it. But I think that he actually amped it up for this one with the multiple oh, personalities, yeah. with everything yeah. like that. And just, it was really like, cause I, and someone wrote this down. This wasn't my original tape, but I read it. But I guess there's a, you know, there's different versions of the goblin uh, costume mm-hmm. and kind of having him uh, in the non mask one was a good decision um, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was the costume. old school hood and everything but was. the yes. pure green face. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, and so I love in Spidey Rehab, my favorite thing is that, you know, you got Jamie Foxx, who's like, just like feels great about himself and looks at all the potential, <laughs> thinks he's on fleek. The lizard guy who's just kind of like, you know, he was kind of the lamest to me. I'm not going to lie, like if I'm picking him. Um, but he was lame and amazing you, you, as well. <laughs> you, had, you, had, you had Alfred Molina, a.k.a. Doc Ock. Just a miserable fuck tied to these oh, tentacles, know, like as if do anything. Um, and then you get the obvious rehab of him. Uh, and he was was he the first one to get uh yeah, yeah he got the okay, yeah. And then he saw, you know, he was kind of reintroduced to the world and everything. It was just a great sequence. And Spidey Rehab, I really thought was awesome, even though it kind of ended up being the teetering point towards the third act and the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought it was just it was a great kind of um way to kind of explain what their side was what they went through already with spider-man they're kind of like realization that wait where this isn't you're not andrew garfield you're not toby you like this is a new version that we've never faced before and i think to me this kind of felt like a great way to you know reintroduce them kind of get us on the ball rolling like not only this was a sequel to um you know far from home but this is kind of felt like a sequel to the original movies you know kind of mm-hmm. like showing their story you know progressing it into this film which i thought was just i mean amazing in itself but it kind of showcased again showed them in in a way where it trusted the audience i i mean there was a little bit where they kind of had to explain i mean of course it's a movie and you you got to know your audience but it, it just it didn't feel like it was oh this is the lizard this is what happened to him. This is what he looks like. Oh, this is Doc Ock. He, you know, he used these to do a reaction. Like, it just, it felt Even with the know, Matt natural. Murdock, if you're not, like, super into the yeah. universe, like, if you mm-hmm. were if you were a casual Spider-Man fan just seeing that because you saw, like, that the 2002 and the 2010 guys were going to be in it, you probably missed out yeah. on the Murdock reference. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but no. it was awesome that they did it with confidence, right? Which is what you're saying. They didn't have to overexpose everything. Absolutely. Like in bad storytelling, you always see that you get like ex- ex- yeah. expose with talking or explaining why this a is Katana. She has yes. my back. Yeah, yeah. The sword <laughs> captures the souls of her victims. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're so, so right. It's the perfect example. But, uh, but yeah, no, it just made, I mean, it again, it goes back to the pacing. Spider, the, the whole MCU has really just earned so much legitimacy because it's long form storytelling, everything being connected, everything feeling like it's important. And again, as we head into the second half of this movie, without just, and, and I'll probably say this again twice, or second half of this recap, like just what a, you know, rebuild they've had so quickly after it felt like kind of the kitchen cabinet might be a little bare after uh endgame you know how are you going to follow up thanos as like legitimate threats but it feels like they have so much on the table now to do so and it, it obviously started with this spidey rehab and this uh mm-hmm. you know this movie mm-hmm. yeah no it's just again too and and you kind of mentioned it before i i feel like because you know we know from you know watching amazing spider-man 2 that they kind of sony was kind of like i wouldn't even say they were out of ideas but they really wanted to like push 
their version because that movie came out around the same time you know the avengers came out and that story was already built so sony was kind of competing marvel didn't have spider-man yet so they couldn't really do so so you know at the end of amazing spider-man 2 it kind of seemed like not only they put so many villains in you know at the very end with goblin electro and all that stuff but then it was like the setup to the sinister six and it was like okay now it's just like what are you doing like this is just like like you're setting up for i mean i mean at first i was like for nothing but then it kind of you know this kind of felt like a sequel to that but this Mm. was a i think this was an interesting way to do it an interesting way to to you know obviously we know like the sinister six like that's what Mm -hmm. you know his his you know many villains that's what spider-man always has but this is kind of a way to bring in those characters to the world but you know it's it's the ones we grew up loving and the ones we grew up with and we know and we feel we understand their motivation we understand why they're here so it was just kind of like a beautiful way to do it and like in all the way like i tapped on you know alpha Molina. you brought it up william defoe him coming back he was mm-hmm. outstanding in this movie mm-hmm. i mean all the way from you know how he portrayed you know green goblin in spider-man you know he was cast he really like I, if i remember correctly he really wanted to do William, you know, Green Goblin and all that stuff because he just felt like he looked like the character and <laughs> and he just really liked that kind of vibe to it. And I think when they were doing early like pre-production, that was supposed to be like his general look where it was just supposed to be like a more like aesthetic feel to it. And then it kind of got morphed into the biker suit just to get like, you know, whether it was, you know, merchandise rights or uh, you know who knows at that point what was going on in their heads in in 22 but uh 2002 but to have that kind of feel to it because when they were going and getting into this universe in this movie they were kind of adjusting to it you know like doc ock got the got the you know uh nanotech from spider-man electro kind of changed up his look he wasn't the blue guy thank god from Amazing Spider-Man No, too. he looked he, great. He looked he great. Looked and, and, and by the way, it wasn't the first or last time they did that, but uh, mentioning that like his look was different and that his teeth were together, which were like oh, yeah. funny <laughs> things that were like yeah. critiqued about that Spider-Man movie and them just pointing them out on screen. Again, a benefit that Marvel gets to do because they've developed so much yeah. legitimacy with their audience. Absolutely. So it oh. just, it worked. One note on William Defoe. I heard that he agreed to do this movie with the condition that he did his yes. own stunts. Yes. And at sixty-six, yes. that man is a badass. Oh, yes, man. and you were you, with bringing back wrestling in there. He showed off in this scene a nasty power bomb and one of the best spine busters I've ever seen in my life. So man was out here doing this. Oh yeah, I that whole say, sequence though, in the the condo was just like condo. one big one-on-one match. I am great. shocked that, that that was Defoe. That was wow. his one thing. That, he those wanted were to show incredible. The, he wanted to display the proper aggression. He was like, I, I need to do this properly. I think Sally made a great point, though, earlier about his just this scene was was the the goblin scene for me, what it turned into, obviously. And yeah. you guys, there was that one moment. I can't wait to go watch this movie back because there's the one moment when he's in the lab where the camera's panning over. Yeah. And you just see the look he has on his face and you're like, oh, it's gone. Like you're oh, immediately yeah. like, you know that he's slipped and he is gone. And he's the mid tingle, the, right? Where, where the camera's kind of in his face as he's mm-hmm. looking around and trying to figure out what's going on. And then, and that that's the best, that's the best Spidey sense I've ever seen in a movie and of all these movies. Like the way they portrayed that, just the intenseness that he got for that. And then the whole conversation that him and not Norman anymore, it was full goblin. And you said earlier, like the facial, like his face, like he had such mm. great facial expressions and everything. It was like, it, that was a very creepy goblin. And it was really what you, all you could ask for from 
a goblin character in a movie like it was and that's why they brought him back it was so great you, yeah you um, i just really loved that. i just really loved that that little part from when you could see his face and then peter mm -hmm. walking through having the spidey sense and then norman's interaction with may too because i mean they have they have history especially that norman in spider-man one obviously oh, has interacts with may knows that knows that universe may and they didn't get along either like they didn't like bad holiday dinner I mean, it went very bad with them. Didn't like each other. Didn't get slapped that. this time. <laughs> exactly, didn't get slapped. And so, some, so he knew to go to somewhere deep down, either whether it was Goblin or Norman in that feast scene. I still think it was Goblin just pulling the long con, but mm. just knew knew of May. And I think that was the important dynamic to go through because he knew of that and knew that May would take him in and do whatever, and then he would be able to get whatever mm. upper hand he needed to get on Peter there. If we didn't get any goblin action in this movie, if we just got William Defoe as goblin, you know, just talking and mocking and, you know, uh, playing <laughs> these mind games with Peter in that voice that he does, I think that would have been enough for me. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt Defoe was stunting in this bad boy. And that's when we get to kind of some chaos in the end of the second act here. Uh, the bugle. So we got J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, uh, he gets his glow up from just a green screen in his mom's basement to uh, he's got a big studio <laughs> with all his organs. I think that was what they were trying to portray with that uh, with those two cutscenes. But obviously, he's trying to go get some footage of Spider Man. Kind of rare to see uh, J. Jonah do it himself, but I guess he's you know he's going. Panels. He needed results. I'll do it, I'll do it myself. Um, and then we obviously get Aunt May, and out of nowhere, we get the great responsibility. I will say that when I watched this scene the first time, so she kind of gets battle starred by an explosion and she was still yeah. moving. And I'm like, how the hell is she still moving? <laughs> like, she should have yeah. absolutely died. Mm -hmm. And then again, I know we're here on what's train rock watching. We're 45 minutes into, uh, yeah, no, if you're, you're this spoiler point. alert, Come on, yeah. <laughs> Aunt May does not make it. This is a, this was a gut it punch. Hurt, death. Man. I, oh, I just yeah. Oh, this God. was a, you know, Marissa Tomei, you know, has been a fit like a, you know, a leather glove or whatever you want to say that's like comfortable or whatever in this mm -hmm. series. She was a seamless fit as Aunt May. Um, great vibe with Tom Holland. And yeah, she gets, I, I call it battle starred because she kind of gets like explosion like up against the thing. Um, she has her scene where she tells him great power comes great responsibility. And yeah, I mean, this was a, this was a gut punch, guys. How did you react when this all uh, went down? Yeah, it, it was, I mean, like all the way through, it really just, it was devastating. It, it was something, you know, that we've kind of never seen before, even though we had, you know, I mean, we've had those Uncle Ben moments in the previous, you know, franchises, and those those hit the same. This reminded me of, you know, the, the Rami Spider-Man with, with Uncle Ben, you know, getting shot, and, and you know, Toby having to go through that. So it was just such a gut punch, especially like, the the journey that to, that um you know Peter Parker has gone through so far you know realizing how much he's lost and and how much you know all this stuff is going he's in this new world he's with his friends his you know he's in this new loving relationship with MJ and all this stuff mm -hmm. and you know they're trying to experience like what college is going to be like and and like if they can get in and, and stuff like that so he's already mm -hmm. having all this stuff and MJ has always been with him we we I mean we haven't seen Uncle Ben in this in this you know uh version of spider-man mm -hmm. we haven't like really got to know like you know i mean not really got to know because obviously you know if you know spider-man you know his his legacy so you know the way that they did it kind of like helped and 
and you know made us be like okay we know that stuff let's just get on with the relationship and what marissa motay has, has done marissa motay no that's okay that's okay mr maniac but uh uh, yeah, no, it just, you know, what she's done since Civil War, you know, and, and all the all the Spider-Man movies, she really brought it out and gave us a different side to Aunt May, uh, something that has just been so loving. So going through this was just so heartbreaking because, again, Peter, he's just a kid, you know, this is just what, you know, he's he's just trying to do the right thing. And, and, and this is, you know, the greatest loss that he could ever have. And. And it's just real, like it was so like I was getting teary eyed in the movie. It was just so heartbreaking. Oh yeah, dude, I was you know involved. to oh. what was going on yeah. and and yeah. you know the devastation uh, of doing this of of bringing the goblin in 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 here because you know goblin he tried to do that to Toby's you know with with Aunt May and, <laughs> and with MJ <laughs> yeah it, and he finally he you know, succeeded goes. out devastating. The, the- when you think about it, the OG Spider-Man kind of glosses over both those events ridiculously because right <laughs> after when Uncle Ben dies, he chases down the guy who was responsible for So it yeah. kind of just vibes away real quick. Yeah, and then yeah. and then when he explodes Aunt May's like house and she's like praying, it's like where's Peter Parker? Like, <laughs> and it just cuts to a new scene, like completely. Yeah, she's just yeah, screaming. Yeah, yeah, like, she's just, yeah, everything was like, Peter, your friend stopped by earlier, but no, but that's just the genius, right? Is that you know again, and and I've said it before, I'll say it again, is that Marvel can kind of do things that are just completely out of the realm of sanity. Mar- if DC tried to do one third the things that Marvel does, they would look like such idiots because again, they haven't earned it with their audience. They were just, yeah. And they're working with the suicide squad. I thought that was a great step in the right direction. Uh, maybe we'll get the new Batman movie, but you just see things again that Marvel's doing that DC can't just like, you know what folks often we see things from Picasso's that you just don't see from other pizza spots. Hey, you big dumb idiot. Looks like you got yourself a saucy hand. Yeah, I do. Try yourself a Picasso boneless wing. Hmm. Maybe next. Run! I feel like I feel like Toby Maguire would love yeah. Spider-Man Three. But folks, we are getting down. To, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Partham. Let me just touch on yeah. May for a second. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because they didn't give us Doctor uh, Uncle Ben at the beginning, because we'd already gotten that from the other two Spider Men, and then they would sort of bring that dynamic in later on. But so because people were tired of the or- seeing the origin story and seeing Uncle Ben die over and over again, it like you said, they built they sort they sort of built to it. They did things in reverse. Marvel did. They said, well, you know Spider-Man's story, so let's just get right into Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. so it was almost like uh, hearing the payoff to Avengers Assemble and Endgame because they implied sort of those sorts of things, but now they just came out and just came right out with the line at such a critical moment. Yeah. And it maybe came to stand in for Uncle Ben at the tail end of Spider-Man's journey, not necessarily the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think... I- the, the this scene what you just said is kind of perfect because i think this whole 
this whole this whole original trilogy is really Peter Parker becoming like actually Spider-Man, like the Spider-Man we know from the other two movies, the Spider-Man from the comics. Like yeah, there's yeah. been all the criticism about Peter Parker being too much Stark tech in with the Avengers right away and mm-hmm. everything. That wasn't exactly he was Spider-Man. He had all the powers, everything. But once you get the the what great power comes great responsibility is the thing that makes him Spider-Man and every other thing. So if this is the first instance he's heard that, then and obviously like you said in such a moment like a climactic moment like i was waiting for it like i knew it was coming i was so ex- i got so excited even though i knew terrible you, things you were about to happen to I, I, I was I like know. i mean i they, felt I, I you I, you could just tell the way the conversation was going yeah. that she was she was gonna get around to it because um, they even did it in the amazing spider-man movies they like they, they kind of paid homage to it um was that ever said in the comics with great power or was that yeah oh yeah straight? okay Oh yeah, that's in like the first. I think it's in the first issue, like Amazing Tales or whatever oh, his okay. first appearance and everything. But the thing, <laughs> so the, the interesting thing about the MCU, uh, Peter too, is that we the only know the only thing we actually know about Ben Parker is he had on the one suitcase was Ben Parker's in Far From Home um, yeah. initials in Far From Home. That's the only reference we've had to Uncle Ben. Now they have yeah. that uh, that freshman year show that's about to come out that's supposed to explain. <laughs> before he turns into spider-man right so yeah, maybe there's spider action right? maybe there's some ben parker in there and then the the parts that we missed between then and civil war is when uncle ben dies and whatever else happens but that's the only mention we've had so i mean well, who knows? A, maybe this already happened before and it was something that may you remember in, in, Civ- in civil war i think uh peter had some offhand comment about this has been a tough year for aunt may i guess that was the allusion True. to losing uncle ben but it, i guess it wasn't as traumatic as him being shot by someone that Peter could have stopped in the first place. True. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, who's not stopping. And that is Ned. Even when mm. Spider-Man's mm. down in the dumps, even when he's at his lowest, Ned is looking for a way to help. So he's looking for Peter Parker through the strange world. So that, so if you want to make a Star Wars reference, this is kind of like, um, oh no, when uh, Finn picks up the lightsaber in, uh, in what is No, that? no, it's more like Force when Ray, Ray uses the force. For the well, first time. Well, but but I'm saying that that you know it kind of doesn't belong with Ned. Like, so I don't know if Ned's actually gonna get mm. this power. So it's a little weird to see. Well, I've but got Ned some Ned is theories, opening but... up some portals. Oh, I'm sure there's all I kinds can't of wait stuff for that. coming from the <laughs> There's some Ned theories. <laughs> and this is how they do it. So it's a Doctor Strange accidental spell that gets all these villains into the universe, and it is a Ned accidental portal that introduces us. To the characters, the greatest spoilers, kind of like the CM Punks to AEWs. We knew they would be in it. We just didn't know how it was going to be. And eventually, of course, they come to the portals. My um, my theater wasn't going nuts. I was leading the way, um, but I was excited. I was fired up. It's, it, it, you know it's a really big moment when even though you know something's going to happen, you're still excited by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we kind of, like, we... Ex- we knew it. You know, we, we just had that feeling. We knew that that was just going to be the case. I mean, I have to give an award to, because obviously the first Spider-Man that shows up is none other than Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man oh my God, from the bro. Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies. I have to give all the awards to Andrew Garfield of how much he has dove every single interview saying, I'm not in it. I'm not in it. I'm not in it. Like, man. He was like, scared, he knows, bro. He couldn't handle he the spoilers. He understood the assignment. You know, like, that's just, 
he just <laughs> i mean again we just knew but like he just didn't want anything to and nobody i i mean i don't remember anybody going up to toby asking him if he was going to be in it it was all well obviously andrew was going through like promotion for his yeah. tick tick boom movie that just came out on netflix and whatnot so it just i mean holy crap so when you saw it it was just it was just like fulfilling like that's what it was yeah. it's just like you knew it was going to happen but you just couldn't wait for it to happen and it you know it's always interesting how they always do it it's the same the same way with endgame you know when i was getting in getting ready to sit down for endgame all you're thinking about in your head the whole time is okay but how they're going to bring everybody back how's everybody mm-hmm. kind of come back what's going to happen same thing with this you're thinking in your head like okay well how is every, how are this both Spider-Man's going to get introduced or is it going to, you know, fit uh, everything like that? I mean, this movie had a very hard time because the it premiered a couple of days ago and, you know, I mean as much as you love fandom, you also get the negative side oh, where so there's bad. just so many people that trying <laughs> to ruin for the rest of us and trying to take those moments away. The way I always look at spoilers is I just still want it to work. I don't care if I know that they're coming. I just still want it to work and feel earned. And it did because, you know, again, like I said before, is this a different variant? Is this like, are they going to do a freaking, um, what was it? Uh, the Quicksilver and WandaVision, you know, yeah. are they going to do that reveal? Which yeah. that I, I'm still, I still can't get over uh, the Ralph Boner. It's just like, you know, because the whole time watching WandaVision, I'm like, that's, 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 come on, that's Quicksilver, that's from the X-Men, like, they're going to do it. And then they just do that, and I'm like, ah. So, you know, of course I had my doubts. I had, like, I just want them to do it right. And this, you know, it just worked. It's, he was right from after Amazing Spider-Man 2. In a way, it kind of helped because I do enjoy that film, but it's not my favorite. But, you know, it's the same with how Endgame kind of paid off, like, Thor the Dark World. You know, it's not my favorite, you know, MCU movie, but the way that they interpreted it kind of just worked and it kind of enhanced it. You know, like he was kind of dodging off like, yeah, you know, I was Spider-Man, you know, I was fighting the rhino, all that stuff. Like it kind of, you know, it kind of made sense for how he was introduced, you know, how mm-hmm. it was just, it took place right after Amazing Spider-Man 2 and then some. And and right off the bat, like he was a broken Spider-Man, you know, because I mean, what we know from Amazing Spider-Man 2, like I felt bad, like. I don't know if any of my friends, because I went with a whole bunch of people today, and I don't know if a lot of people, like, I was sitting next to my brother, and he's not as big of a movie fan as I am, so when, I mean, he is, but, like, not as, you know, so when when we were sitting there, I know, I, I want to cover myself, just in case he's watching, he's going to... Uh-oh! But, uh, Made but himself no. into a corner, Mr. Hollywood! <laughs> I, I always do. Um, but, no, like, he, you know, I don't know if he's ever seen that movie, and and realize like what the stakes were, who went, you know, when died, all that stuff. But we do like we, you know, like us diehards know what that was like and live those moments. I was so happy I did Horrible. a rewatch Horrible. of all those movies before getting into this because as much as it's a, you know, in the MCU, it's a sequel to what's come before. Uh, so it just, it was just great. You know, it was really great to see him back. I mean, Andrew, I always felt he did a great job as Peter Parker. Spider-Man. Oh, he's awesome. You know, he he really did, and it just it, you know it, it, when push comes to shove, it was kind of like what happened. Like he just got the bad deal because of Sony was just trying to do too much all at once. They were trying to compete with the MCU with Avengers and whatnot, and it just kind of like you know he got the salty side of it. Like it just didn't really 
work in his favor. I feel like those are those are fun movies and stuff like that, but it just yeah. a lot was like shoved in and and whatnot. They tried to make it darker because once the Dark Knight came out, everything had to like be more adult and darker and dark tone and stuff. So you know, it, it was yeah. great to see him back. It really was because he really does. He loves the character too. You know, so it's great to just see him back, and he was amazing in this movie he was so good I, you know it's just so it was really co- cool to see that you know this whole time he really was the wolf like he that's it like he was in it and it just again it, i i clapped i was i was so like yeah you know that was one of those moments where my friend next to me was like okay you you okay bro like what's going on so yeah no <laughs> are you talking about exciting. the final battle scene that you were just talking about well no just when he came back Oh, okay. I wanted to know when I got a Casali clap. Yeah, because I thought him coming out crawling on the Oh, Casali clapped a lot during this movie. So you got you got Toby Maguire dressed up as a hipster youth pastor. It's oh, all man. But uh, yeah, yeah you didn't know if he was still hipster Toby Maguire or you know back to regular Spike Toby Maguire for a second. And then in a movie that's littered with hilarious moments, you have them working together in the science uh Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lab or whatnot. Like, pretty funny that it was just, I think it was like the school science lab. Like, it didn't yeah. look like anything elaborate. Yeah. And he's talking, and uh, Ned is talking with uh, Toby Maguire, Beer Marker. You ever have a best friend? And he's like, Yeah, he tried to betray me and kill me, and he died in my arms. <laughs> and he goes to Peter, I'm not going to try and kill him. Just so absurd. Oh, so, I mean, I mean the, bonding, the bonding so, between them. Was that's perfect. the fun of this, is the yes. trading notes from all these different universes yeah. and all these different experiences yeah. and like how similar and how different they are. And uh, I think we got a lot more three way spider interaction. Then I think we were going and expecting. I thought we were going to have those two coming in like Endgame, like through the portals and save the day at the very end with the final battle. But we got them all just interacting and just being buddy buddy. And And the funny thing is, sorry, Micah, is that if I could change the film, and I I would very change it, I would just throw in 15 more minutes of the the alternate Spider-Universe. I would take three hours. Give yeah. me three hours with just more spider, and we're, I'm fucking living, dude. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. But that's I want. That was the point I wanted to hit about the spite. Spidey's coming back. Is first of all, first point was talking about Andrew Garfield, and it it showcased one of the big themes they wanted to sell with this movie is how important the Spider Man, Peter, not Spider Man, the Peter Parker and Mary Mary Jane MJ relationship is. And you said that Andrew Garfield is the broken Spider Man. Well, he's the he was the one without the MJ. And that's that's really like one of the th- I think the selling points they did really hard that with the difference and even just showing Toby and and Tom kind of were bonding a little bit more and they were more alike. That was really the only similarity they kind of had together. So I thought that was an interesting note and kind of a good way to differentiate them, too, because obviously it's three of the same dudes. You got to try to got to try to make it a little mm-hmm. different between them. Um, but the the having them come back not just in a spot duty but really like being the emotional like wait for tom holland like after after he goes through it everything we talked about with it just happening the scene couple scenes before with aunt may and how about that this like after the aunt may scene i was like how the fuck does this movie get back up i'm like dude i'm like depressed like this sucks and then all of a sudden you see him and then you see andrew garfield spidey just standing there and i'm like that's it i'm back i'm back in (laughs) they did it they pulled it off they they figured it out and then i was Mm -hmm. you knew it was a good be a fun ride the rest of the way but i thought it was awesome that they kind of let them be that role for peter the you know peter uh 
MCU Tom Holland there Absolutely. because it was it was the only person, the only people who could really understand, right? Like that's what he was saying. So it was a cool moment there yeah. on the top of the house. Yeah, because they, they did it in a way too where it was just kind of like, again, yes, this is Tom Holland's story, but like, you know, they know there's people in the audience like, mm-hmm. but like we, you know, who grew up with Toby, who grew up with Andrew, like having Toby McGuire yeah. come back, like, again, that's my, you know, that to me is, that's my Spider-Man. That's what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Like, I love those movies to death. So to see him come back was just, I mean, like, that was when, again, grinning ear to ear. It was just so, so excited to see him. And it was just great to, like, showcase, like, you know, his involvement, like, what he went through. Because he was an aged up Peter Parker. Kind of like what we what we got in, in Into Spider-verse. the Spider-Verse. Not really, mm-hmm. not as much, because that one, you know, he kind of, like, you know, lost a little bit of himself. He, you know, gained some weight and whatnot, wore the sweatpants yeah. over his suit. But in a way, this kind of like was that, you know, this was, he, you know, like he grew up, you know, this was a Spider-Man no. age, you know, this was like the Logan Spider-Man, you know, so yeah. he aged, he went through his stuff with MG, he stuff. And the one thing like right off the bat, the emotional points that we get is, you know, Peter is going to, going from like, he lost Aunt May and and Toby's, you know, Peter, you know, Peter one, Peter two, Peter three. We'll get to that. But he, like, he understands. He knows what he feels like. Like, oh, like you, you just lost Aunt May. Like, I'm here for you. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, you know. So that, I mean, come on. Like that. That's literally that like seeing them. Like just seeing them back was just like I, like I couldn't. I cannot believe that I live in. You know, like. There was always rumors that they tried to do a Spider-Man 4. They tried to do this stuff, but they never did it. And, you know, it just got reboot after reboot. So to just see those stories pay yeah. off, the those characters that we grew up with, was just it was just magical to see that. Like, it just, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, born on uh, Tobey Maguire's performance there and him being the Logan Spider-Man, so to speak, throughout those original three movies, I mean, he was this, like, Shall we say dorky, happy-go-lucky guy throughout yeah. pretty much everything kid, except the end of the third movie? He was just you know living the life, so to speak, even if he had his own emotional problems. But here we saw we see the the weight of everything that's happened before him, and uh, implying that maybe him and MJ are still together, but you know it's complicated. They're still probably trying to work out the whole girlfriend while being a superhero dynamic. But uh, always he seemed he seemed uh, a lot more self-assured, even if he's not hasn't quite figured it all out yet affirmations bro they work he's he's got positive self-talk he's 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 up there he's like there was a great great little scene that i'm sure we'll talk about here when he's talking to andrew garfield and i think it was they did noting on toby's performance to be the stark contrast from andrew garfield too especially in the scenes that they were in together and just the two different sides of spider-man and everything I thought, and the, the the top of the rooftop too. Garfield was just sold that, like even before he mentioned the word Gwen, like just the the way that he was like portraying how uncomfortable he was listening to it, just thinking about it and everything. Yeah, they just they were just on top. I mean, those are two world class actors. Those two, obviously, and have got such have done had been in such great roles even Absolutely. since that those movies have come out. So it was great to see them kind of be able to flex those different muscles that they didn't really get to as much in the in yeah. you know in their own Bring trilogy. So, well, not even trilogy for our boy Andrew, but yeah. 
Oh. Well, there's a lot of things in the Amazing Spider-Man that they weren't able to pay off, like storyline-wise, yeah. like his parents were, were they doing on the plane, all yeah, that well, stuff. Yeah, because it kind of, that's where it just got messy. Spider-Man 2, but it's definitely an emotional closure for both him and Toby. Again, sure. it, it, like, again, this really, you know, it's the end game of Spider-Man movies. Like, it, you know, it's something that we've never even thought, like, I never thought in a million years, like I said before, yeah. that we would see Toby back and, and Andrew Garfield back. Like, who would have thought that they were able to pull it off? And they did, because we really got that closure. Like, at the end of Spider-Man 3, you know, he was just trying to get back with MJ and all that stuff, and he was getting closure with Flint Marco Always. fading away that he killed Uncle Ben and all that stuff. You know, even at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2, that whole same thing with him kind of realizing, like, even though I lost Gwen Stacy, I still have a job to do. And then he, you know, went in on the bridge to Rhino. And, you know, instead of seeing that battle play out, it just faded, which was their decision at the time. So, you know, but to just to see that, that's what was so special about this movie is just this was three generations of Spider-Man. So to see everything pay off, which was just mm -hmm. it was just so remarkable how they were able to do it. Absolutely. It was absolutely a stick the landing moment, which I think they've done, like we've alluded to, in Endgame and obviously the first Avengers film. And let's get into it. We got the final battle on the scaffolding that everyone's seen from every leaked photo over the last four to six months. It's the new Statue of Liberty with the gaudy Captain America shield. It just looks ridiculous. Awesome. But, okay. uh, but, we yeah, need that so in the they're, real world. They're, they're yes. Out, um, just incredible. I'll kick it off here. Incredible choreography in the battle uh, for three on three, keeping it entertaining and engaging throughout without losing track of what's going on. Great toss-ins with Doc. I mean, it starts three on three because you have the three Spideys versus Lizard, Sandman, and Electro. But then you get the toss-ins of Doc Ock. You get the toss-ins of um, Norman Osborn. You get the toss-ins of Doctor Strange, Ned, and MJ. Um, yeah, really just incredible. Uh, I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but uh, when the three Spider-Men came whipping around the corner, and then I don't know who it was because it all happened so quickly, but the one – webbed them both and whipped them forward. I don't know if that oh was totally wire, yeah, but that, that was, was awesome. fucking sick. Like that, that was, was what awesome. that was when you're like, okay, that's why I'm at the movies. Like that, you gotta yeah. pop at the theater like for this. that. Like, yeah. hundred oh, percent. And again, I think it was just, they were banking around a corner, but he literally just grabbed them and whipped them up forward. Incredible. Um, and yeah, a lot of symbolism in the battle, a lot of like showing, you know, what a lot of the critics of the Avengers and the superheroes talk about, you know, this vandalism of uh, all these, you know, things that are just kind of out in the open. Um, what did you guys think of this final battle? We'll get into the fallout and the multiple endings and the implications there, but let's just talk. Mm -hmm. the action. Sounds good. Okay. Oh man. I mean, first I want to start off with one of my favorite aspects of, of this whole scene. Again, it was great. This was end game levels. Great of that final battle was the score. What Michael Giacchino did with the score mm. throughout this scene was remarkable because, you know, he had the 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 familiar themes of Danny Elfman's theme in in you know the Spider Man trilogy. He had the theme of you know from the Amazing Spider Man uh, movies. You know, it was just I mean that's what's great. Like again, that's when it grew grown up on those movies. You know, I'll, th that's what I assimilate Spider-Man to, those themes of what Danny Elfman did in the original trilogy. So that alone was just so exciting. You know, that was just, that was the icing on the cake. And then we get into them working together, them 
them, you know, realizing not, what not being able to have of. that team dynamic at first, and then yeah, to, uh, Tom <laughs> yeah. Holland being the one to explain, "Hey, I've been in a oh, team yeah. before. We just got to get on the same you know, page here." Them really, and about, this kind of oh, happened in before. This this kind of happened before. Um, I don't know if it happened during this scene or right before, but them commenting on. The, the, different the webbing. fluid, the webbing, like, oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. no, like, wait, where does your webbing come from? It, it comes from me, like, ew, like, that kind of <laughs> stuff is that, like, that's just, that's what makes this movie so exciting and so, like, authentic and just real is because it's those, those thoughts we've had over years of them doing an organic Spider-Man in those, in the trilogies and then bringing it, like, more familiar to the comics, like, in, in the later movies. You know, but just that their teamwork, like it's just it worked. It's just like that, you know. And Toby's been, you know, he's been around doing stuff and and in movies every now and then. Andrew Garfield has been doing a lot, a lot of stuff. But like they still brought it. Like they still, you know, they remember. You know, they remember how the suit felt. You know, they remember these things, what they did, how important and special it was to play those characters. So the three of them together was just like, it was just like beauty. Like I, it just. I never thought in a million years again, and I've said this countless times in this review, but to see that on screen is just like remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're sitting in an endgame, like, okay, everyone's together. Like, how are they gonna, you know, top this? This is how you top it because this is just, you know, it's just in superhero cinema. Like, this is, you know, this is I get it. You know, everyone's like, oh, superhero movies aren't cinema, all that, you know, mumbo jumbo. But like, this is what you, you know, this is just excitement. This is what blockbuster movies are for. And, you know, it just it was just so great to see all that, the teamwork and and the jokes and everything. They they recreated the the, the famous the scene from the cartoons of, of pointing at each other. <laughs> it was just like just to see all that. And I don't even want to get to I mean, the the whole Andrew Garfield like uh, revival was just remarkable. That happens later on in the battle, too. It was just it was just so great to, to witness this scene. Uh, I think uh, I want to touch on that because there's two yeah. uh, points that very much allude to the past films. One one I'll say, which is later on, actually, is uh, Toby is the one to stop Tom from basically bashing Green Goblet's head. And because in the very first movie, it was uh, Toby's Spider-Man, which was, you know, yeah. hitting him and hitting mm-hmm. him. And then uh, the human uh, side of uh, the goblin comes out and sort of stops him for a second. But then he realizes, oh, he's trying to play me and I've got to, you know, jump out of the way. But it's uh, Toby that stops Tom from basically, you know, going too far and taking his revenge because Tom knows, and Toby knows, and I'm going to refer to him by the actor names and not call him Spidey 1, Spidey 2, and Spidey yeah, 3. Yeah, by the way, real great. quick, I thought their Spider-Man numbers were, like, out of sorts. He makes yeah. himself one, and then two. I thought that was a little <laughs> questionable. It couldn't have gone by seniority, but go on, go on. Oh, but, yeah, just... but uh, Toby's the one that stops Tom because he's been there in anger trying to bash the goblin's head in, and he knows, you know, this is not the way. Yeah. But then uh, before, just before that, what I think that was – the most emotional payoff was uh, Andrew Garfield where MJ's falling off the scaffolding and Tom can't quite save there in time. And Andrew is the one that goes down and oh, catches man. her before he hits the floor. And you see the Come weight of the moment on his face and you Dude. just, Oh my God. Mm. That was perfect. Absolutely. Dude, I, I was, a, that and, was, and, I was and, a mess. Let's, talk that, about, let's not wait anymore and talk about the Garfield overlying, you know, redemption arc yeah. because yeah, he was shit on as a Spider-Man. I remember one of the biggest, like, like critiques of him when he was he was like too good looking to be Peter Parker when you like you think back at it like like that was ridiculous but I mean yeah it just seemed like there was a lot whether it was him coming through the portal first so he wasn't you know upstaged by McGuire obviously being the first one 
or if it was, you know, his acting during the battle or his vibe or, you know, spider bonding with Maguire by cracking his back and stuff. Or obviously, as we're discussing the final battle here, saving MJ, which is something that was so um, monumental in the overall Spider-Man story, the MCU, that a lot of people from that trailer were just predicting that Garfield Spider-Man was going to be the one in position to save that uh, MJ in that situation. So really incredible and a really big build up. And you got to be happy for Garfield because, you know, I think that I don't remember the media, you know, eight years ago or whatever, when he lost the gig or whatever, but I, I do seem to recall it being pretty negative, painting him in a bad light or hard to work with or things like that. And he proved that he has a dedication to character and, you know, can really get that vibe uh, in his own way for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. uh, you mentioned uh, getting a, a, a bad back. That was from uh, the second original trilogy oh, where uh, he's, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's going from building to building. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back. And then he's also <laughs> talking back. about. He, 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 now, he mentions the existential crisis with the web shooting. Was that also kind of referencing like the dance moves and the ridiculousness that he like kind of went through? Yes. That was Spider-Man referencing three? too, where he didn't know if he wanted to be Spider Man and that's probably, yeah. kind of failing out. Yeah. Yeah. When he Spider-Man. was losing his powers because of everything. Like, that was just mm-hmm. so great to. to with that reference i mean yeah the whole back joke like that was just kind of like i mean it was a little tongue-in-cheek but it was great i mean of course it was great because we remember those moments we grew up on those moments so the to see that kind of flesh out you know it was just kind of it was kind of like you you could call it fan too fan servicey but it was just so much fun like they're having fun you know and they're having fun playing these characters again you know so it's just it was great and and again they had the web shooters you know where where you know he he kind of you know focused on like there was a time where like I, they didn't work and that because that was spider-man too that was you know that monumental struggle that he went through during that movie so it was just again it was just like i've been saying it's just so beautiful how they were able to pay off so much storytelling yeah. not even just the mcu versions but those movies in general it was just great like i didn't expect any of this and it was just so great how well they were able to pull it off. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the part you touched on the, 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 and the, the Garfield, honestly, guys, you, you guys keep referencing it that there was rumors. Everybody kind of assumed that, that he was going to come through. I didn't hit me until right before it. I was like, Oh wait, Ooh. there's more spiders. I remember literally saying it like, as, as I saw him get wiped out by the glider and I was like panicking for a second that this girl was just going to fall and flat mm. on her back, whatever the fuck was going to happen. I was like, wait, there's more. Like I no thought. <laughs> Uh, no thought. I was just terrified the whole time, whole way leading into the movie that MJ was gonna fall terribly to her death. I think it was from like the Gwen. I've, I'm a big, amazing Spider-Man fan. I don't know how much you guys were into it. I was, I was like, that was like my. I loved both those movies. Was really hoping they could pulled off a little bit better in two, but the hype up to that, like the trailer had Gwen and her outfit that she wore when she died in the comics. So I was like preparing mm. for that, and I was just like, "Oh man, they already have done this to me once with one of these Spider movies and showed her falling in the trailer and she died there. So obviously it's gonna happen again." So that was like that payoff that made it worth it for me all the while, and the and for it to be Garfield and realizing it in that moment. That was that was awesome. So there was like you said, like you, we've said a million times, it paid off so many different ways. You didn't even think it was gonna happen. Yeah, but it was. Really and remember, nice back in the original first tri- uh, movie of the first trilogy, 
uh, MJ falling, being dropped by the goblin yeah. off that scaffolding yeah. was a reference to that in itself. So it's almost like uh, Spider-Man's girlfriends are one and one, and which way are they going to go with it this time? You didn't <laughs> know. So when you saw that trailer shot of MJ falling, it's like, okay, we've been here before. Yeah, you know, yeah. they just always end up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, how many times um, in those movies did oh MJ? Yeah, of course she's there and and, and all that. You that's know, what she like, signs up for. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's <laughs> she, 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 she was just Spider-Man. enjoying the Times Square parade when Macy Gray was performing. Come on, <laughs> but this MJ hasn't been in that position uh, in the Agreed. recent trilogy, so to see her in that was sort of refreshing and uh, a, uh-huh. a nice. Uh, I don't want to say a nice, maybe a tr- partially traumatic callback to those past instances. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I can't even remember the name of that broad that was in the uh, Washington Monument elevator now. I mean, that's just how far we've come <laughs> in, this, uh, in this Spider-Man trilogy. But let me get your guys' final thoughts on, on I, I mean, I want to say the movie overall, just because I know we want to spend a little bit of time talking about the MCU, but felt like there were a couple of endings and obviously you know as we mentioned with the garfield thing spider-man playing on its own tropes just like star trek into darkness had spock being the one that you know was screaming above uh body it was uh this movie where we had aunt may being the one to say with great power comes great responsibility we had andrew garfield spider-man saving this trilogy's mj but in the end to undo what you've done it it was going to take a little bit more than bounty picker upper uh, we got Doctor Strange putting the spell back. Um, and again, spoiler alert, obviously incoming if you're six, seven or nine <laughs> minutes into this. But everyone has to forget who Peter Parker is. We kind of alluded to it yeah. when we were talking about where this movie has left uh, the Spider-Man universe. But essentially, it's left it right at the end of, uh, of uh, where Spider-Man 1 was in the early 2000s. He actually... Yep. Through a course of events, he sees Ned and MJ happily into MIT. He has this huge plan where he's going to go, you know, make a reunion with them and tell them who he is. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that they have the lives that, you know, they wanted, you know, and as much as he loves them, I think there's kind of a moment where he kind of, uh, yeah. you know, shuts it down. It's just like when Tobey Maguire shuts down Mary Jane in the, in the end of the first one. So it kind of yeah. goes against what Spider-Man wants. But what he realizes is for the greater good. Again, a couple of multiple endings here. What did you guys think of how uh, No Way Home was able to kind of land? Uh, obviously, the movie stuck the landing with the appearances, the cameos, the performances, the action scenes. Where did you land on the ending? Uh, there's also a sort of butterfly effect feel to that ending. Because at the end of that movie, you know, he wanted to get back with his friends. But he knew that they were better off without them. So he just yep. moved on. But I-, I was kind of a little confused at first because... The original spell that uh, uh, Peter Parker wanted Doctor Strange to perform was make everybody forget that Peter Parker is just Spider-Man. But what we got at the end, and I might have missed something, where everybody forgot about Peter Parker completely. He had to change it to Peter Parker because he couldn't do the same spell again. Yeah, like okay. they had all they had that contained spell. So if you wanted to do that spell, it would have had to have been the one that was all fucked up. I think that okay. was the so that, that I got. Yeah. And that's yeah, a great way so to stick the total reset like, happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah. can't just do it the nice because, way. Now you gotta do it the, the nuclear option way. Exactly. Yes. And because because he's and Peter, I think the the part of it was too that the everybody was gonna keep coming because there were all these he's like there's infinite universes and how many yeah. people know who Peter who, Parker who is. Who did Spider we see Man. there? We saw the rhino guys Craven Craven was in else? there. Okay. Craven was in there. I think Scorpion was in there too. Those were the only three that I they really hear about made Morbius. Mo- Morbius. 
I saw that he might have been he might have okay. been one of those two. Yeah, yeah the Rhino one cool. was the only one I could clearly tell like who it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, I'm uh, the, I, the whole the whole ending. I mean, maybe maybe I'm getting too far ahead with this, you know, for the future. Uh, like like we said before, after uh, Far From Home, the idea the word was that this is going to be now a whole Sony project, and where were where were they going to go with that, and how are they going to explain that, which is going to be tough now. This whole memory reset is basically just, I don't know if they're going to continue somehow in the MCU or if Sony's going to go in a completely different direction, but they're, well, they're basically hedging their bets one way or the other, just depending on where they want to go within the MCU or within their own little universe now. And I think that's why they did it this way, but Amy Pascal did say Thursday that, or Wednesday or Thursday at an interview that they have another second MCU trilogy now. So yeah. I think, but but obviously the making of this movie, I think you're exactly right, that they had to make it in a way that they could go whichever direction they wanted to with it, right? Yeah, uh, I only I only heard, I hadn't heard that interview before, but I only heard that this movie and an appearance in a future MCU movie, which now is yeah. going to be, it's going to be tough to pinpoint where that movie's going to be and how they're going to explain. Well, uh, hey, Spider-Man's back. Ideas. You all forgot me, but uh, yeah, this, this, ideas, this yeah. ending was tough. And you like in the end uh, at the end of Spider-Man one, he's basically on his own in a rundown apartment, listening mm-hmm. to the police block uh, tracker to for any crimes. But now instead of having you know he goes to visit MJ or he goes to visit Aunt May, now he's basically got nobody. There's yeah. basically just him and all the crime that he has to stop. Not much of a supporting cast, mm-hmm. so it's just it's just a blank canvas from here on out. Yeah, I mean it was interesting because I mean the way that this started out was you know something we've never seen before that everybody knew who he was to then go to the complete polar opposite. Yeah, where it was like holy crap, like now nobody knows who I am. And I mean you know it, I mean it, I mean it it works for me and it, and and it kind of. It sets up for what they want to do for this next, you know, three movies, you know, because it kind of like gives it like a blank slate, you know, in a way where whereas I mean, you know, of course, you're sitting there like, wait a minute. Now, everybody doesn't remember who he is. And mm-hmm. it kind of gets a little funky like with because like does Dr. Strange still remember him or or stuff like that. But I think um, like even happy like because obviously spider-man still exists in that universe they just all forget who, who peter parker was yeah that's that's so like even with is, yeah with with happy who the hell Hogan. does captain marvel think tossed her the infinity gun i know like I, I mean, even, yeah, yeah you know like even with happy because he he you know goes to uh aunt may's grave and happy hogan's there and and they start talking about oh yeah you know i i worked with him and, and spider-man and stuff it's like but like like there's so much like stuff yeah. that was integrated with these movies, with Infinity War, with Endgame, and with Civil War. That you know, Peter Parker, Tom Holland, you know, Spider, like he was an integral part. So to just like wipe the memory of him, like really kind of like makes a lot of that stuff fuzzy, you know? Because again, he was, sure. he played an important yeah. role. So it to me, it kind of felt like at the end of Endgame where we got an old man. Uh, uh steve rogers you know at the very end which is again kind of like mm-hmm. you know you like you you set the ground rules you know again i loved i really really love this movie but like you set the ground rules with what you're setting up and then all of a sudden you go back to make it a little like okay like but remember you already kind of intricate mm-hmm. this isn't just three movies this is a whole universe with what they set up with spider-man so it kind of gets a little fuzzy with what they're doing so 
But I mean, I, I, I assume okay. that uh, Peter Parker still has records, like he has a social security number and yeah. everything. It's just nobody remembers, oh, he goes to school here and he grew up with these people. And that's yeah, like, aren't there mm-hmm. pictures? Aren't there like, like proof? Like, they're going to look like, wait, you mean wait Polaroids? A what are those? Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's yeah, all, it's all digital these days. But still, I mean, aren't there like records of like like did MJ and Peter Parker? I'm sure took a bunch of like cell phone pics together. Like, does, do they just get deleted, or is she gonna look at it like what? Like, I know that guy. But yeah, I, I'm sure Magic is compatible with both iOS and Android. I mean, yeah, that's easy. Like, by the oh, way, the Magic. magic. Are we, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to go off, but are we, uh, speaking of photos, are we going to acknowledge that Tom Holland had spider puberty between Homecoming and No Way Home? Uh, yeah, Dude was right? absolutely jacked. In jacked, this movie. jacked. He yeah. got the Superman. He got the superhero workout. He got, he got, he got, uh, sure. he got Tony's um, secret stuff as far as yeah. the uh, water <laughs> or Captain yeah. America's. Oh, true, true. <laughs> It'd be really, I really, it's going to be interesting, kind of how they explain um, how yeah. the the Peter Parker implications, but. And it's different. So one of the story that this is referencing the most from is called, is Brand New Day. It was done. One more day. One more day is the story yeah right where uh, him day. and MJ's relationship had to be wiped out in order to save Aunt May. They they couldn't connect those I two. Remember, I remember that that actually, still gone. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of what I thought. I thought that was the maybe the Mephisto connection that was going to be in this movie because mm. of One More Day. And I remember reading that story. I told you guys it's the last time we talked about it. I it was like it made me so mad. Like Brand New Day, I was so hurt. Like taking away the MJ thing, and it really really was like a fresh, like him and MJ knew each other kind of, but didn't have like they knew some like they always had like some kind of sense and that's kind of what they showed in this little thing like mj kind of knew like something like something was going on with this guy but couldn't place a finger on it and so they kind of explored those a little bit but yeah there was the one more day and brand new day kind of taking it from that and it's such an interesting story too like i mean like the blank slate and everything it, it's they really like he can do more like it feels like the purest spider-man we've had to the comic wise at least like mm-hmm. not not having an aunt may is weird don't get me wrong like i've never mm-hmm. none of no one following spider-man has ever experienced that she's still going strong running feast in the comics right now like she, they the the movie mcu went further than anybody else has ever been willing to go and setting peter parker back like that um but i think there is a way that with him this is just it's it's the most they can they can go to like the most accurate comic books peter parker friendly neighborhood spider-man stuff now like because they gave this him the greatest scale right away like he we never we really haven't seen much neighborhood spideying going on we've seen yeah. like a lot of worldwide spideying so i think here i'm gonna throw a bunch of couple i'm gonna throw a couple of things at you all of you and then break it down because this is where my <laughs> my ideas started kicking in here on what we're getting for gord so have we all see we've all seen hawkeye right I don't know, but you've seen, have you seen Hawkeye episode? First episode. But first episode. Okay. Well, I, I know one I or think, two things that are going to come up. I think that it is very potential with the timeline. The fact this movie, I did some research right after this movie ended right as Hawkeye is starting. Like it's right. It's the same December that, and we saw him swing by the tree at the end too and everything. Where we know be, that Hawkeye is going to end up somewhere at some point. And I would not be surprised if he is potentially in this last episode coming up with some of the things we've seen. And I don't know how the deal works, whatever TV wise, whatever, but it makes, he has literally nothing else going on. There's nothing else going on in the city. He has no, doesn't know anybody in that there's going to be 
extreme crime at some point in the future of Hawkeye that we can go. We, I won't say any more than that, but you might. So you just know extreme crime is coming, which I'm sure you could assume. Um, I do think going back to our boy Ned, he is was wearing a very orange sweatshirt the whole time. <laughs> if you look at his thing, there is a character called the Hobgoblin who Ned leads mm. in the comics has a chance to turn into at one point he's brainwashed they retconned it so he got brainwashed but the reason i think this could really work we saw the foreshadowing of it right him saying i'm not going to turn into a, a super villain yeah to kill you peter you literally right on the nose but he and so this is why i'm going back to what you're saying about what did what is what do people remember of peter parker what do mj and ned remember of this battle like mj still had the scar so she was I mean, there yeah. so were they just there and didn't know that it was peter as spider-man so maybe ned it has is harboring some like ill will for being put in this situation by spider-man oh, no. and he saw the glider like he saw this dude mm. flying around on a glider and if we're to believe like it's just 50 50 odds like i said earlier mj in brand new day one more day kind of always knew that she was like something was with peter and they ended up there it took them till now but they're back together and doing it it took a, a while for them to really get back and break that spell that mephisto kind of put on them which is obviously you could see that would be hard so i think that they will find a way zendaya is not going anywhere obviously in this, no. in this trilogy like she's a huge star None of them they're gonna are. what even if they bring in a different love interest a gwen or a felicia hardy or whoever else for in the meantime while he's trying to convince mj of who he is or they're rebuilding mm -hmm. whatever it's always going to end up being mj so your 50 50 split there is that our boy ned our boy Ned's probably not going to be as happy. So that's one of my other things. And also, if he needs a family figure, you know what family is coming up soon. And he's also mm. boys with one of the people of those family. I'm just saying, that could be your crossover movie. Yeah, that could work. That's I mean, John's Watts, John Watts, who did a fantastic job in this movie, his next MCU movie, supposedly. Yep. Well, not even yep. supposedly. It is confirmed. It is. It's his, his next MCU movie. Before. So why would it? And he had, he, Spider-Man is with that family an immense amount of times and if, who knows how they're going to introduce them what if they're from a different universe and they already knew a spider-man from that time and that's why they like go to him like there's a million ways they could explain it those yeah. are just the three things leading up though i think that we need to watch out for mm -hmm. um ned i definitely think got to watch out for whatever the spider-man the new york crime scene that's going on that we're kind of seeing happen and then grander scheme i keep bringing up fantastic four because i just really want something to happen but i do think spider-man yeah. fits mm -hmm. into that very nicely Mm -hmm. well Casali, thoughts on the future mcu these three spidey films where do they go from here it seems like multiverse of madness on deck i mean <laughs> you know and if you definitely stayed after the credits they definitely set up um you know a lot of stuff with uh with Venom getting kind of transported into the universe and then transported back out, which I thought that was kind of like, I thought that was like a good way to lead into Venom and Spider-Man. However, when he got sucked back into his Sony universe, he, there was a little bit of symbiote that was on the ground. So I guess, you know, that could lead into the MTU version or however they do it. And then we also got Doctor Strange trailer at the very end, which was awesome to see. I am so excited to see that, that movie and having Sam Raimi come back and, and direct a superhero movie again and horror his horror vibes. Hopefully we get a lot of mm -hmm. evil dead stuff in there and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the future goes, you know, again, this is, 
you know, again, going from far from home where this was a different side of Spider-Man, No Way Home is a completely different side of Spider-Man. So they have a blank slate. They could do, you know, they could do a lot. So, you know, it's just, I, I you know, I have faith. I, I really do feel that, you know, again, you know, what they're, what they've been doing with this whole MCU and all that stuff, they really do know what's going on and, and whatnot. So I do have a lot of trust in that. And, and I mean, all these guys, you know, uh, Tom Holland, Zendaya, like, you know, they're, they all, they all are, you know, they work so well together. They've done great thus far, you know, so to have them, you know, of course they're going to come back. So, you know, it's just, who knows? I mean, that got me excited. Maybe, you know, maybe who knows if uh, we get a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Because this movie, I guess, uh, it kind of still takes place right before Hawkeye. It's it's so, the summer. It starts in the summer of 2024, yeah. goes into the winter of 2024, and Hawkeye is December 2024. MCU, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So, so you know, to have that, you know, who knows, you know, if we're going to get, you know, a little bit more exciting stuff coming our way with the with the season finale of uh, mm-hmm. of Hawkeye uh, next week. So, you know, I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. And I'm just excited to see, you know, the future, you know, of Spider-Man come back. I'm excited to see John Watts, you know, take on Fantastic Four. I mean, they're really, and, and of course, with Multiverse of Madness, to see how this brought in the elements. Like, yeah. you know, we kind of joked about it a little bit, um, you know, before with, they, they kind of did it in the past with WandaVision where, they brought back uh, Quicksilver from the X-Men universe, mm-hmm. but then they did the complete Ralph Boner joke and it didn't work. <laughs> but, you know, now now that we know, because like this, like this confirms like the multiverse like is real. Like they could go into sure. different movies that Marvel Studios have never even touched and like connect and stuff. And we know with the Disney acquisition with Fox, you know, they have, you know, a lot of people. I mean, you know, like, like everyone's like, all right, when the X Men come in, when are, when is Wolverine and all that stuff? Like, I mean, maybe this is a way to do it to kind of like go back to those movies. Like, well, we see James McAvoy back. Could we just to touch on that? Just to touch on that, I did read something that they're going to do a original X Men and mutants like from the ground up. They're not going to be bringing them in. Like the the whole Ralph Bono thing that was just a tease for the multiverse. But I think they're going to go with original. Well, original yeah, X-Men. but you know, I mean, like. Of course, and I'm sure like they could, you know, they would want to do their own their own stuff. But I mean, that you know, that could also have been just a cover up, just to be like, like, wait, like anything is possible now with this. Like, not to, I mean, again, who knows? You know, like they could do whatever they want, and I'm sure they're gonna pull it off. I, listen, I'm just saying, like, if this is a way to bring back Hugh Jackman to play Wolverine, sign me up. <laughs> you know, <'Cause> he's even, <laughs> he's, yeah, listen, he's been on record saying because obviously he did Logan a, a fantastic job sending off that character. But he's he's said on record, too, if if I could do it in the MCU, I'd still do it. And again, that's just like pushing too far to the fence. They could do whatever they want. And I'm still going to buy a ticket and sit in the theater and watch these movies and love these movies. But again, yeah. the sky's the limit. They pulled it off. They pulled the multiverse off and bringing back these characters that we know and love. So. I mean, anything's possible in my book. I'm just waiting for how they're going to get Deadpool in. That's all. Well, no, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> now with this, I mean, that's the thing, too. They could, I mean, I'm sure they could, you know, introduce, you know, mutants and whatnot. But Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Like, there, there's no way. In One, heck, whether it's original or multiverse. I mean, yeah. Well, plus with Deadpool, you could kind of play with that. Like, you could play with that. Like, Deadpool, he breaks the fourth yeah. wall. So, like, they could have yeah. fun with that. Like, they don't need to go buy the book with Deadpool to explain, oh, he's a different variant. 
Deadpool, he doesn't care. Like, he'll just speak to the audience like, oh, now I'm in a John Watts movie or something like that. Or, you know, so <laughs> it's just, I mean, the sky's the limit. And, and you know, with what they're building up, with these movies, we, you know, it's funny with these phases. And everybody's always saying, like, you know, because, you know, the first iteration, the Infinity Saga, we had something that we were building to with the stones and Thanos and everything like that. And now everything is all over the place with the shows, with the movies, not saying it's a terrible thing at all. It's great. And them really diving into the multiverse. There's a lot of stuff. And, and it just seems like they really, you know, know what they're doing. They're playing with a lot of (laughs) ideas. I mean, so the sky's the limit and it's just, uh, I'll be sitting in the theater grinning from ear to ear. Oh, I mean, there's there's endless shit they could do. I'm watching Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes now on uh, yeah, Disney yeah, Plus. There you there's go. Thirty episodes of dudes I've never even heard of. We got uh, <laughs> Masters of Evil, which seems like it's kind of coming together in the Marvel it's Cinematic coming. Universe as well. That seems like I'm, um, one thing I wanted to float. I did see it somewhere else, but uh, speaking of getting the X Men, speaking of getting Fantastic Four, speaking of getting Deadpool in this universe. Apparently, and I read this online, and it's and obviously Multiverse of Madness is on the uh, horizon Undocted, here, going to be yep. coming out in March, uh, so that's going to obviously play a huge role. Mm-hmm. Wanda Maximoff, obviously, going to have a crucial role. Looking into research, there apparently was a crucial juncture where they were actually battling the X-Men and other mutants in the comics, at which yes. point she says, no more mutants. Yes. And I've seen a lot, a couple of theories now to where with, you know, the hex and how everything turned out there and getting her brother back, that she might try and do some kind of reverse of that. Again, like we've said, how they kind of change the narratives on what these bring everybody do. back. And she might bring mm. mutants into the universe. And that mm. could be it. the birth. And then again, you don't need to do the whole origin story there, but you could start your origin story with the X-Men and co from there. So I've read that. So I just wanted to share that like with that. our viewers. And no, I like, like that, that a lot. But Oh, yeah. I mean, they're in an incredible spot right now. I will admit yeah. that, I, I, and I've said it before, that in this you know podcast alone, right. but I was worried about where they were going to go after Thanos. It felt like your original Avengers was a great you know foundation, but you look with what they have with Captain and Winter Soldier. You look what they do, what they're doing with Hawkeye mm. right now. You look what they're doing with everything look at across the, the board. Look at the movie docket after this now. Like, we got mm-hmm. Eternals and Shang-Chi was obviously great. That was an incredible movie. And Black Widow was a story from beforehand and everything. But, like, it's all, like, he, it's all heavy hitters. The next, like, five movies. I mean, we got What's Thor. That? We Thor's, got Black Panther. Next, we got right? Ant-Man. Yeah. yeah. It's No, we got Doctor Strange and then Thor. And oh, then Doctor Strange and Thor. The okay. end of next year is supposed to be Black Panther. Who knows what's going on with the filming of that movie at the moment. Yeah. So, I don't know yeah. if that's going to change around or not. And then I think we have, after that, Guardians, Ant-Man. And then Ant- the next movie after Ant-Man on the list is Fantastic Four. And it's still not. There's no sa- date. And two untitled oh, I'm sure Marvel that's going to be... Which After might be a Spidey, this. extra Spidey movie, and then maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Maniacs, X Men of some sort. With Wanda has some chaos here in this. The the thing is, all we could talk. I I didn't want to talk too much about MCU theories, especially because this next movie could literally just t- turn the MCU and oh, shake it all around. Well, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about so, the Strange Supreme showing up in one little blip on that uh, yes, Multiverse of Madness trailer. We, 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 we got to touch on that. Wait, wait, oh, how, how's Loki might possibly fit into this? We didn't see him in the trailer, True. but he's dealing with the multiverse on his own, you know, little uh, dimension. 
We didn't they, see him in that I, teaser, I, was on, I was seeing some conjecture. So, obviously, if you see the uh, second post credit scene, it's kind of... I kind of talked about it as a trailer into a scene. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but that was the vibe I got from it. But absolutely, I mean, I don't know if it's the exact same character, but the look and the vibe definitely seemed like Strange Supreme uh, when he said, you know, things yeah, just got sure. out of hand. Um, and yeah, uh, the other, you know, theories I've been reading again, and it's all about theories. That's so what makes being part of this universe so fun. Uh, yeah. is that Loki and Sylvie would absolutely be on the front lines of a multiversal battle. And just to think that they would come over and be like, and think of them trying to explain the Kang thing to Strange and like, oh my gosh, there would be all, there would be all kinds of madness. Yeah. It's well, in a way, uh, but sure. the, conclu- the, confusion, uh, the conclusion of the Loki series, at least the season one, it sort of reset everything where, you know, kind of like Spider-Man, no one knows who he is anymore. He's just a variant, you know, hanging around there. So I get, maybe he's got to resolve all his problems at, at his end first before he joins, uh, rejoins the MCU movies. Absolutely. And, and everything's on the table. Who knows what's going to happen next? Everyone's <laughs> got cleaning up to do or they got a situation outside themselves that they got to clean up. No doubt about it. But hey, speaking of clean it up, I think we all agree, gents, could not have been a cleaner execution of No Way Home. While we wrap up this review, I'll put you all to the test right now. With your knee-jerk reaction after only seeing it once, ever, I think we've all seen like you know the premier Marvel movies once or twice, or at least multiple times. Would you rank No Way Home in the top three of Marvel movies? Hmm. Number one. I thought top five was too easy. Do we all agree top five is too top easy? Top five. It's all t- top okay. Five. So we all agree top five. The thing is, do you get to top three? I think of Civil War. I think of Endgame. The one that really gives me difficulty is Ragnarok, just because Ragnarok kind of transcended your Marvel movie. A Marvel movie could be hilarious. A Marvel movie could be just like outrageous. Um, but I will give it that third spot right now on my knee jerk reaction. What about mm. you, Sally? I think you have to make room in the top three for Infinity War because that's the Empire Strikes Back of the MC, MCU. I mean, Endgame, true. True. Endgame tied up everything. It was basically like what people call the season finale of a TV series where all the things from the past just came together, all the characters came together. People might criticize it as not a good movie, but a great conclusion, an, ep- an epic conclusion. But uh, there's part of me that doesn't necessarily want to say Endgame is one of the greatest, the top three movie in the MCU, but it's the ultimate conclusion of the MCU, or at least for phase one, two, and three, so forth. Uh, for Spider-Man, uh, do, do we put it on the same level of Endgame where it's a great conclusion and a great wrap-up, but I don't know. I guess we got to let time tell whether and uh, uh, No Way Home is up there in the top three of just great movies. Like, you got to put Civil War and uh, uh, what was the... Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier's got to be up there somewhere in the top three or five. Winter Soldier's in a lot of people's top five for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak too soon, especially do because it. I really feel do like, I, well, no, 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 I'm just do saying, it. I really think this film deserves a second watch. However, from what it oh, was it able to pull five. off, from what I was able to, um, you know, do and and pay off the original movies, like I, yeah, I, this is definitely top three for me uh i might even have to agree with jake and and go number one i you know i just really had a great time i mean right now my number one is is thor 
Thor Ragnarok is just such a, an amazing film to me and, and so funny and, and the way that Taika was doing. And who knows, since he's coming back, that could change too. The great thing is, is every movie keeps getting bigger and bigger. And But this also just hits so much to me, seeing Toby and Andrew back, getting those moments, getting those you know feelings back from not only paying off the MCU, but paying off those old movies. I mean, this really was something special. So, I mean, I definitely do want to watch it again in order to give it a complete thing because, you know, the first time you see something, you're just like, you're a kid in a candy store. You're just like, there's so much stuff going on and you're just having a great time. But, you know, I just, I really, really, really love this movie. So, I'm like, for now, I'll say definitely top three, but it could be number one. Yeah, bro, it's it's uh it's top two and it's not two for me. I'm just I mean, it, yeah. I literally it's on the I, razor's edge. It's I it's was, in the it's in the top three spiders and it's not spider two or three. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> exactly. I thought it was. I'm I'm debating with Dark Knight. Like that's where I'm at with it. Like even levels. And it's not. I was talking to my dad about it after my family. We watched that movie. I'm like, it wasn't even a fair fight for Marvel movies though, because if you're a Spider Man, first of all. It's the same thing with Batman and DC is if you make a good Spider-Man thing, that's going to win out no matter what. Like those are the two that are just, they're just going to dominate. And mm-hmm. Spider-Man, the first trilogy did it. And then, I mean, the third movie obviously was like, whatever. The Amazing Spider-Man had the issue of showing up on during the peak Avengers, obviously. And yeah. so I think that that's really where it got caught up. And then you get Spidey in the, like this movie wasn't a fair fight. It was, it wasn't a fair fight for me. I don't know if it's probably a lot of Marvel fans and have been watching the Spider-Man movies and everything. It doesn't count, but it doesn't matter. Like it was the most, I've, the only even thing comparable to the experience I'm with you part of them is infinity war has been my number one MCU since it came out. I think it's still above Endgame. I just, I love the way that that movie, like Endgame, you kind of know what you're getting at. Infinity War is perfect because you don't know how you're getting there. But yeah, no, No Way Home, number one. And I'm 48 hours from when I started that movie now, too. I was like, I'll give myself a couple of days. I'll try to wait on it. I'm still going with it at least then. But I need to see it like two or three, two or three more times still, I think, mm-hmm. to fully grasp everything I saw. Couldn't agree more. Hey, Gents, let's give ourselves a round of applause. Let's go. An hour 45, breaking down. Probably the most Love complete, it. most action-packed movie of 2021. I mean, the argument's definitely there. I don't know how Great. Dune did in that regard or whatever. But No Way Home, there's no way you can't see No Way Home this holiday season if you're talking about seeing everything in theaters. So huge shout-out to our crew here. We got Mr. Perfect, Mike Partham, making you know his first appearance. We got the Micah man, Jake Micah, saluting as always. And, of course, Mr. Hollywood checking in. By the way, you may have noted that me and Mr. Hollywood shared Thor Ragnarok in our top ranks. We don't always butt head-to-head when it comes to Marvel. But, hey, yeah, and here, until our uh, Matrix review next week. Oh, oh. We, oh, believe me, we can't wait. And we hope you can't wait, folks, obviously, for a big action back day ahead. And you know here at What's Train Rock Watching, it's not about – the latest news clip. It's not about the latest rumor. It is about next. Next. Week.